This is episode 35 with Ralph Mercer and Kevin Eikenberry. Welcome back to the Future Intelligent Leadership Podcast. If you're interested in innovative wisdom and practical tools for leading in a complex, uncertain, and exponentially changing world, then this podcast is for you. Aloha and welcome to this episode of the Future Intelligent Leadership Podcast. This is your host, Tyler Mongan, co-founder of Haku Global. We're an organization dedicated to helping leadership navigate a complex, uncertain, and exponentially changing world, which is driven by an emerging tech future. So if you're interested in learning about Haku Global's future intelligent leadership training programs and how you can develop future intelligent leadership and scale that across your organization, then check us out at www.haku.global. Today, my guests are Ralph Mercer and Kevin Eikenberry. Ralph is a former member of the Canadian Forces and currently a PhD student investigating the structural systems within professions and exploring the limiting effects on possible futures of education technologies. He uses causal layer analysis as an inclusive and unique method to explore the complex relationship individuals have with technology and how that relationship constrains professional agency and decision making. Ralph is also one of our advisors for Haku Global. Kevin is the Chief Potential Officer at the Kevin Eikenberry Group. His work focuses on helping organizations, leaders, and individuals reach their potential through remarkable learning approaches. He is the author of Long Distance Teammate, which provides insights into how to help teams stay engaged and connected while working remotely. In this episode, we discuss why trust and safety nets are essential for leadership to build, especially in a decentralized work landscape. Why wise leaders have a pulse on future trends while also keeping an eye on the past. Why leaders should look at what has not changed instead of what has changed and why remote leadership has changed what we think about leadership and not how we lead. Let's listen. So thank you, Ralph and Kevin, for joining me today on this episode of the Future Intelligent Leadership Podcast. And as always, um, I want to start with this key question of how can leadership be more intelligent about the future, given this climate of complexity, uncertainty, and exponential change? I'd love to start with Ralph, um, if you could answer this from the perspective of your work. I mean, we always uh, talk about the, the next year or five years of being more complex than they were uh, five years ago. Uh, but I think for the individual in that time period, it, it's very much the same. So um, if, for me, you know, leadership is, uh, it's at the heart of everything we do, whether we're a follower or a leader. I mean, it's one of the most important traits of a leader is to be a good follower because everybody, you, there is really nobody at the top of the apex. There's always somebody above them. So, I mean, it's really important that we understand that part. Um, and I think, from, especially in the, the, the coming future, and as we decentralize learning into a digital world, maybe, uh, one of the most important traits for me is, uh, is to set the conditions for success. I, I think that a leader that can manage that skill set 
of being able to provide the people that work for them or with them or below them or however you want to uh, approach that uh, uh, by giving them the tools, the resources, the skills, the knowledge, the information to be successful. And to me, that is probably the most important part of, uh, of future leadership, if you wish is being able to look forward, anticipate what the barriers will be, and give them the tools to overcome those barriers. Um, I think uh, a while back I was talking, I don't know if it was to you, Tower or somebody, but I, was, I drew a triangle of, of leadership for, for, people, for a friend of mine. And they were asking me about, you know, what, how does that go about? And if you picture a triangle in front of you on the left-hand corner of that triangle is your historical leadership. You know, of whatever organization you work in, um, uh, how you've made decisions and what is the, the leadership style of that organization and, you know, how does that all, the training that goes into that or how did you learn to lead, be a leader? At the top of that triangle is sort of, a, of the possibilities that exist in the present. Now, that slope that goes from the historical corner to the top of the apex of that triangle uh, it's fairly easy to climb, but you but you have baggage. You know the the drag of past decisions, uh, whether you've uh, uh, been consistent, fair, whether the rules and regulations allow you to be flexible. I mean, what are the historical cultures and all that sort of thing? And and when you're at that sort of present leadership part, um, your 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 success is really based on the potential of your followers that you've developed as you went up that slope and you've brought along with you. If you've spent the time to develop those people and, and uh, give them the confidence and the, the abilities, then you have a very successful present. The, the slope that goes down the other side to your preferred future style, if you wish, where you believe the leadership should be in that future, um, it has very much the, its own sets of uh, barriers and you know, the authority to act. Because we talk about leadership as if we always have the full authority to act on our leadership skills. And a lot of times we don't. And most times we don't. I mean, there's somebody who has set rules in place. There's some expectations of behavior. There's some, uh, uh, you know, the, the corporate uh, barriers that you put in. So you have to translate those. And down in that corner, you start building the trust. And the gap between your historical and your preferred leadership or your future leadership style is your changing expectations. And there's where your future changes come in. I mean, that side gets further apart and contracts depending on how our environment changes and our people's expectations change. And, and as those contract, the centerpiece is your conditions for success. And if you do that well, uh, then, you, uh, then you're able to be a successful leader. I mean, there, there's some basic skills that come along with that too. You know, you communicate clear intent for your people. Uh, you have clear expectations or they understand your expectations of their behavior without a doubt. I mean, your, your decisions are, you know, the uh, fair, you know, you make decisions on the right amount of time. You don't leave people hanging, but you don't rush the decision either. Um, uh, you delegate authority. I mean, if you're all trying to do it yourself, uh, I mean, uh, it's not going to work. Um, you know, and, and a lot of times we think that uh, uh, leadership is a solo activity. We, we always picture that guy with the, you know, with the hat and standing on the hilltop charging everybody for it, but that doesn't really exist because all the weight of the people before them, behind them, are the people that will actually do that work for you and get you up there. So um, I think uh, that's one of the most important things. And then, and then the other thing we forget to is leadership is a learned skill. Some people are naturally presupposed to it because of their upbringing and the behaviors and what they've learned as a child and as all the way through, but it's a learned skill. And it's also an atrophic skill. 
as we get higher in the food chain, we practice leadership less, but we assume we're just as good as we were before and we're not. You know, so that's when the delegation starts coming in and you're smarter to delegate to somebody who's really got that skill set and you just sort of stand back and look and look really good. Uh, and it's not leadership is not self-adaptive. It requires physical and mental action to change. And that's where you start building those neural pathways, if you wish, the habits, the behaviors. And most importantly, the leadership requires the permission of your followers. If they don't give you permission to lead them, you're not going anywhere. So, uh, you know, that, that to me is, a, it translates into that future to be able to look into the future and, and get a sense of the people that you want to learn because, or lead, because their social expectations change. You know, the generation X and Ys and Z and whatever, uh, they expect something different. And there is a cultural gap and you have to be able to navigate that. And, you know, I think those sort of, you know, really mishmash of stuff I talked about, if you can sort of encapsulate in that into your thinking every day when you get up, and it's just not something you turn on at eight o'clock and turn it off at four o'clock and go home. It's something that you have to be ingrained into to your whole day, your 24 seven, um, you know, it has to be occupy yourself and you have to live that, that act attitude and activity, if you wish. Uh, and pass it over to Kevin. Your thoughts. All right. So what is the future of leadership? Well, here's the thing I would say. I would say that anyone who thinks they really know what the future is doesn't know. Uh, I mean, you know, any kinds of predictions about what was going to happen when uh, some more ambitious, some more more optimistic, some not as, you know, we always miss the target. That's the first thing. We can have some sense of a trend, perhaps. Uh, so I try even though I get asked Tyler questions like this to be humble enough to say uh, who the heck knows. Now I do think yeah. there are some trends that we can look at. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I think that too often what happens is we spend all of our time looking out here somewhere in the future and we don't spend any time looking back at the past. So what Ralph said about how, how, it, how it looks to people today, you know, we could say it's more complex than it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago, but it didn't feel like that to the person who's living in that moment, hmm. right? And so there's a lot of things that humans have learned as they've adapted to complex changes in the past. And so I think the wise leaders hmm. are always thinking about the future looking at the trends to the future, but not forgetting to look back to the past in terms of what we've already learned before that we need to, because here's the thing, the more things change, I know this is trite, the more things change, the more things stay the same. I, I wrote a book with Wayne Tremell a few years ago called The Long Distance Leader. And in that book, we said the first rule is leadership first, location second. So yeah, all the stuff's changing about where people are working it's still leadership. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. still human beings. Yeah. It's still people making choices to follow. It's still, to Ralph's point, it's still people looking to design a future state that we want to move towards. As leaders, we have to help define a future state. We have to recognize that we have to keep looking into that future state, that we've got to engage the people that are with us to help them go there with us. And we've got to be humble enough collectively to keep adjusting as we go along the way. And so I really think that while context changes over time, Tyler, mm. that at the end of the day, 
great leadership has really not changed all that much. It's mm -hmm. really about the folks who are willing to listen, they're willing to engage, they're willing to support, they're willing to learn from, and they're willing to trust mm -hmm. the folks that are with them. Yeah. Yeah, and um, just kind of following up on all this too, uh, really like the triangle kind of analogy from Ralph. And yeah, I love this concept, Kevin, of just that we, you know, we don't know the future. And also, like you said, as the more things change, the more they stay the same, you know, we just, and we think you something's know, different. And can I just say yeah, something please. more about that? Yeah. And that is that, you know, when we, when we're helping organizations make change, everyone mm -hmm. wants to focus on what's changing. And what I'm always saying is, okay, yes, there's this change, but 85, 90, 92.7% of things are staying the same. And when we recognize that, it makes us far more comfortable yeah. and far more capable of dealing with what is changing. Yeah. So I think we always have to say, what, what are, what's the firm foundation? What's the, what, what are the principles that we're operating from? And yeah, we're going to have AI and we're going to have electric pickup trucks. I was talking to a farmer friend of mine. Are we really going to have electric pickup? Like, probably, Yeah. right? Yeah but the work that that truck's going to do ain't going to change, right? Like that's still going to need to be there. And so I think we have to, it always has to be an and. Yeah. I really like that idea of yeah, focusing on what, um, what's not changing. I know I've traveled around the world a lot and, you know, you're, you're always changing cultures and there's different customs, uh, practices, but everybody eats, they all sleep, they eat food, right? They want love. I mean, that's really the basics. Things are there. It just looks different on the surface. Right. And so um, I think that's an interesting message for leadership is that, you know, they're, you know, focusing on what's not changing and, and help other people see that as well. And love to hear Ralph, like with your, uh, especially with your triangle too, there's that component, which you talked about where um, that link between the historical preferred leadership and change is in that, is in that line. Um, how does this relate that idea of focusing on what doesn't change? Is that, is that useful for leaders? Uh, most definitely, because I mean, you, you are at the end of the day, uh, until AIs take over and rule the world, we are humans leading humans. Yeah. You know, uh, and humans have um, basic uh, needs. Uh, for the most part, people like to be, this is a dangerous topic, I guess, but like to be led. They like to have clear uh, directions. They like to uh, have somebody respect their work and to know them and to to uh, give them the opportunity to express themselves and that feel that somebody in that chain of leadership is looking after them and taking care of them, feeding them. You know, and the, the army adage was, uh, you know, you leave from the front, uh, you don't ask your troops to do anything you don't want to do, and the, the leader always eats last. Uh, I mean, you can take that and spin that anywhere you want, but that's a pair of basic principles that if you if you take care, if you um, if you're involved in what's going on, if you don't ask them to do anything that you can or would not do ethically, morally, or or physically, and um, and if you uh, take care of their needs, i.e., eat, but their needs are and social well-being, you have a pretty coherent team, and that doesn't change whether it's I don't think is going to change uh, now, change in the past, and will change in the future because at some point until you know we're don't have that human in the link, uh, then uh, that those truisms will be there, I think. Yep. And that's the historical to, you can learn from the historical leadership of the past, but you also got to look at it and say, 
what are those traits that we practiced that were good practices no longer fit this mold that we have the future. Yeah. Kevin, follow up thoughts. If we think about what we're living in now, which is this whole COVID pandemic lockdown, whatever you want to call it thing, right? So I, I was having a conversation with someone the other day. Imagine if we to try, if, if this would have happened 20 years ago, mm. when we had fax machines and a few of us had an AOL account or whatever, right? So like, I mean, right. our ability to, to make this work is significantly different than it was before. Mm -hmm. But to this point of what's not changing, yeah, we're not in the same space with our teammates anymore. And as leaders, we may not be in the same place as our folks, but those, those personal needs, those individual needs, those so social needs haven't changed. The need for us to be able to collaborate. Now we're trying to figure out how to do it now, mm -hmm. right? And there's, you know, the most unfortunate phrase of this whole pandemic to me is, social distancing no yeah. it should have been physical distancing that yeah. would take care of the virus but it should have been social connection social closeness and the reality is we have found in spades that that need hasn't gone away and mm -hmm. that's not going to go away so it's always going to be um what are what are the principles at play and then and then layer on the context that we're living in Right. Mm -hmm. And so as leaders, we need to be continuing to think about that context and how that might be adjusting, but not lose sight of those principles. I, I think I'm saying what we've been saying now the whole time. Yeah. No, I like that. I mean, it is, uh, it is interesting how we are, like, you know, how we are adapting to this new situation, but how, like you said, there's a lot of stuff that really hasn't changed. We still need the same, the same things. Um, I, I make an effort definitely to reach out to people just to say hello more just because in the past, maybe we would have meeting for, you know, a cup of coffee or something, but we're not, um, you know, and so making those moments still right. That are, that normally would have happened, but just in the, whatever, whatever's available to you. Right. Yeah. I think that's a really good, um, a good thing for leadership to consider. Right. Cause I think we get caught up in thinking that something is different. Right. And so we have to do things differently now because of that. Right. Um, versus like, what can we do that's still the same, All right? Um, Ralph, any follow-up thoughts? Well, I mean, as, as you were talking about that, I got thinking about the technology piece. And there, there, there is a set of dependencies that come along with the technology we use. I mean, if we're using Zoom, I know there's a certain way we behave on Zoom and those become the norms and, and, and uh, everybody in the chain has to have an, a Zoom account. So we build those dependencies and the limitations of what we can uh, articulate across that platform. Uh, where everybody's being told now they have Zoom fatigue. Hmm. Do we? I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I know how tired I am after sitting in a boardroom meeting for two hours. Um, I, I don't find that that much in the Zoom meeting because if the worst case scenario is I can do you know, I can pop up one of these and stretch, you know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, but the, we, the tool does get away from us. And, and the leadership and face-to-face, -face, you know, if, you're, if you have people in front of you and you're talking to them, you can see their body language expressions on their face, they're fidgeting in their hands, uh, you know, all those sort of things. Mm -hmm. uh, so you have to be a lot clearer in your intent, I think, in your messaging and take away the ambiguity in, in what you're trying to pass to them. Uh, and that allows them to, you know, clearly understand what you're up to. And then you can 
ask for the follow-up, and then they have a clear idea how to do that. And I think the conversation becomes more important uh, in that, and then in, in, in this type of environment, then probably it needs to be in in another type of situation, more face-to-face. You know, I started out by saying we can't tell the future, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and there's some trends that we can take note of wisely, mm-hmm. like uh, people want. And I'm going to say some things, and they've always been true. It's just that now they're obvious, right? Like people want to be more engaged. People mm-hmm. want to do meaningful work. People want to feel like what they're doing matters. Now, mm-hmm. those things have always been true, but some people that are my age, you know, went to work and they wanted those things. They either figured they got lucky and got them or they got to find it outside of work because that's not the way, it, that's just not the way it works. But the need and the desire hasn't changed. So leaders always, the best leaders have always worked to gain commitment and not simply compliance. Mm-hmm. But the future is, man, if you're not working toward com- commitment, you got real problems. I would argue we always had real problems. Yeah. It was just more accepted that <laughs> yeah. we were just going to get compliance. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Right. So again, that's what I'm saying. The trends say our, our world is going to be more diverse. Our, we're going to have people working longer because we're living longer, which means we're going to have three and four generations working together. We can, we can astutely say those things are going to be true. Right. We can astutely say that more people are going to work in more different locations and what a workplace is will probably be different. Exact. We can astutely say that there's that what work looks like will continue to look more different from one person Mm. to the next, from one job to the next. And so that's the kind of stuff that I think as leaders we need to be thinking about. Right. As opposed to what's an exact destination, but rather where is the trend taking us? Right. And how do we how do we get in front of that curve? How do we do more than just ride the wave, be in front of the wave, whatever metaphor you want to mm-hmm. use? I think that's, you know, even though I started out, Tyler, by saying we can't <laughs> we can't we can't uh, predict the future. I do think we have to be in tune and we have to be wise. We have to be thinking about it all right. the time. Yeah. Go yeah, ahead. and just jumping on top of that, uh, I mean, technology does provide us with something that we might not have normally had in the environment is the able, the ability for the person who would not normally speak up in a crowd, uh, the ability to isolate that and get that information out of them. You, know, you can ask them directly and they're alone in their little Zoom window and they can actually, but in a, in a large group, they might not bring forward their ideas. And so you, there's, a, there's an opportunity now to get feedback and 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 information uh, from the people that would not normally speak up, but they hold just as much as everybody else, a wealth of knowledge. And sometimes the insightful piece that you're missing. Hmm. The perspective that that no one else can provide. Yeah. 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 And just kind of following up on this, Kevin, you're you're talking about too. And and Ralph is, um, you know, there, I mean, one thing is, you know, that, you know, we can see trends in the future, although we can't predict everything, what's going to happen. And then also, you know, there's not going to be, you know, there's not going to be maybe some major things that are going to be, I mean, from like a very foundational principle perspective, they're going to be the same, but there are things that are going to change. Right. Um, and is there something that that's going to change that leadership needs to particularly pay attention to uh, in the future that you, you see as a trend? It's kind of, you know, 
Well, I, I think I, I think I just addressed several yeah. of them. Right. Right. The, the, the nature of the workplace, yeah. the location of the team, yeah. what does work look like? How, how do we, how do we, as the, as the line between work and life continues to get fuzzier and blurrier, mm -hmm. how do we deal with those, with those things? Um, I think those are some of the things that are, that are right in front of us. Right. Yeah. And that we, we, that, I mean, they're still in the future, but we can already know they're coming and we've got sure. to be paying attention to those things for sure. Yeah. And how, I mean, I guess the other question too, on the kind of a follow-up is how is, is that going to, you know, some people say that this is going to drastically change leadership. Although I think our conversation, we're saying really it's not. Um, what would you say to them? Well, I would say if, as an author <laughs> that, you know, it's like, it's like, are there differences in the generations? Yes. Did, did we overblow a lot of that? And did a lot of people write books and make a bunch of money doing it? Yes. I didn't choose, choose to do that. There, there are people writing books about the new leadership. I'm not choosing to write about that either. Now, that doesn't mean there's no, no difference. But again, it goes back to everything we've said. I think it's more the same than different. And, and, mm. and we can't leave a conversation about the future, or I can't leave a conversation about the future without make putting my stake in the ground on this point and that is everyone says oh if you know what's going to happen when it's ai oh what's going to oh, it's going to be so bad all these bad things are going to happen the new normal and and there's so much of a sense of hesitation worry anxiety and cynicism about the future but i'm an optimist about the future i don't know exactly what it holds but i, I know that the trend line over history if we take the the 10,000 foot view is that it's always yeah. getting better. And we can have a long conversation about that. And I think if we start with that assumption, hmm. we put ourselves in a better position because enthusiasm is contagious. So is the opposite. I know which one I want yep. to yeah. infect in my team. I like that. Yeah. The, the future is always getting better. That's it really way. is. That's a great and, way to think about it. Everyone that said, Oh, the new normal, it's never going to be the same. It's never, ever been the same. <laughs> and that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You know, four years, three years ago, everyone would say, oh man, I wish things were better. I wish things were better. Now it's different. Like, oh, I wish it was the way it was. Yeah. Really? <laughs> Is that really what you want? Yeah. I, I mean, will leadership change into the future? I mean, there's some really, I, I don't know if there, it changes that much. Is this some skill sets of leadership will now come to the top where other ones that, you know, dominating presence in the room and, and that sort mm -hmm. of thing will slowly sink away a little bit but i mean i think back uh, just like the three of us are having a meeting now if if we're a, a team tyler drops out because his battery goes down in his laptop or whatever can we carry on this meeting have we passed has tyler passed enough information to us mm -hmm. and his intent for the rest of what's supposed to happen today for us the two of us to carry on with our discussion mm -hmm. You know, the only thing uh, is that he's got the recording, so we could keep chatting. Yeah, yeah. But, well, <laughs> but, but the point is, right. <laughs> if the leader's doing a good job of setting the vision and yep. having a clear agenda, yep. clear, clear expectations, Ralph, as you said earlier. Yeah, we can just carry on then. And I think that's going to be part of that, that you know, decentralized or decentralized leadership through this technology medium is being able to uh, really get that information out there, the communication Clear communication, I think, is more important now than ever, uh, rather than, you know, the, the little drawing on the flip chart. Uh, you have to be really clear about what you're telling somebody you want them to do and what and their feedback, get their feedback from them and understand them. And if that that skill set, which was always part of leadership, I think will move now to being one of the more uh, dominant ones.
I, yeah, I like that a lot. I think that's really, you know, it's interesting. Um, and to me, it brings up the idea of autonomy, right? Um, and response, personal responsibility and how um, leaders have an opportunity right there to really, you know, not only uh, delegate, but also really empower the people they work yeah. with, right? To, you know, because they aren't in the same room together or the same building together or the same space together as much. Um, so they need to, they need their people to be able to take like self-initiative, right? Uh, to work effectively without them. And in the past, it was like the leader was there to kind of motivate you and inspire yeah. you and keep you moving. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Kevin? Well, I would say that maybe that's how we thought it was, but there isn't <laughs> a leader ever in history that can motivate anyone for very long without True. there being unintended consequences. Like right. motivation is internal. I mean, when, when we're talking about work, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're, you're saying we want people to be self-motivated. We want people to be accountable. We Like leaders have always wanted that. Right. So I'm going back. So are, are they more important? Like I'm right with what Ralph just said, like those things will be more important, but I, I here's what I would say. The best leaders 40 years ago, yep. were doing everything, yep. right. So maybe now we're smart enough to realize that that's really is the better way. And it isn't the anomaly person. Hmm. It's that's the crazy fringe person, but that's now the norm or the expected norm. And, and so if that's what we want to call new leadership, okay. <laughs> right. Uh, but I, I, I think that, you know, I, I grew up, I grew up on a farm and I grew up mm. in a family where we had other businesses. And from a very young age, I had responsibilities that had like real revenue impact, right? I was able to expected to make decisions and do things that had a real impact. So mm -hmm. I grew up with a mindset that said, that's what work is. Mm -hmm. Right. And I believe that while that confused me for a long time, when I first went mm -hmm. to work in a fortune 500 company, like that's not how everyone thinks about things. <laughs> um, I, I think it gave me a big leg up because that's what we really all want. Mm -hmm. That's what we want. And that's what we as leaders now want from our folks. And so it's about how do we help people make the choice to be engaged. Like we all want, as leaders, we all want our folks to be engaged, right? And, and a bunch of folks are out consulting and saying, you need engaged employees and everyone's nodding their heads, but it's not something we do. It's something people choose. Now we can, we can create an environment that will help them choose it. it doesn't belong to us, it belongs to them. And the best leaders are the ones that know that or are figuring it out and are supporting that choice rather than trying to, you know, it's not ping pong tables and pizzas, mm. right? It's about helping people choose to say, I'm in, I want to be here. I believe in this future. This, I can make a difference here. This is where I want to be. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we compensated before with the punch clock, you know, you, you, you sat at your dress, you get your 15 minute break and then you had your 45 minutes for lunch and whatever. And then we had the ping pong tables and the, the popcorn machines and those sort of things. And, and now we're trying the, I think most of the leadership problems we're having are, is with the generation that is the leader trying to struggle to maintain their power uh, over, over the people that work for them. Cause they got away. They can walk through that office and see everybody you know, the presence and everybody's working away and they got rid of their Minecraft game and they looked like they were working as you walked by. But they, we, we, we feel naked and less powerful when we have people in their kitchens and in their uh, rec rooms and in their basements. And how, how will I know if they're working? 
Well, I mean, it's pretty simple. If you give them a task and it's done on time, they're working. You know, uh, so that empowerment has to go out and we have to now let go of some of the reins that we really felt comfortable and we get lazy. I a mean, big message. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, Ralph, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, really, that it's, it, we got lazy as leaders as, as when things start to work well as a leader, we start to stagnate as a leader. We're never, we, we, we tend to just to build that, keep building on that success and replicating it over and over and over again, shining it once in a while. But I mean, so now we're forced now to, to rebuild those skills. One of the biggest challenges, and because of the work that, a part of the work that we do, we've worked with a lot of reluctantly new remote leaders in the last year, right? And, one, and Ralph, you hit it. One of the biggest things is, how do I know if they're working? Yep. <laughs> and, I, and I just say, you didn't know if they were working before. That's right. They just happen to be physically there. Like, seriously, you really think, unless you were looking over their shoulder, did you know? You didn't know. It was false. It was a false premise. Yeah. And, and then the other thing that Ralph said is so important. It's not about activity. It's about accomplishment. Mm -hmm. Straight up. Here's the value proposition. I, and because it's my company, right? I'm writing you a check. You're, do, you're delivering value and hopefully the deliver what I'm paying you is a good value exchange, mm -hmm. right? It's not about how many hours you were there. It's irrelevant. Mm -hmm. It's irrelevant in the work that many people. Now we have to have someone in the warehouse to do, but we, yeah. but we want them in the warehouse, not to be in the warehouse. We want them in the warehouse to be putting stuff on trucks, putting stuff in packages or whatever it is. Right. So it's still not really about the time mm. productivity that has a numerator and a denominator right? It's not just about, I was busy. It was about what did we accomplish? And, and leaders that there are leaders that are still struggling to figure, to really, truly figure yeah. that out. Yeah. And I think the other yeah. two is uh, the agility to being able to uh, accept certain facts. Like we, we you know, workplace wellness, you know, made us buy proper size desks for them and, uh, north, and good chairs. And, you know, the monitor is what, 27 and a half inches from your eyes. And it's, it's so many inches high. But we put money into that because somebody told us that would, you know, A, we had to and B was going to be uh, make people more productive. Well, as we decentralize, we're reluctant to give them a new laptop to help them pay for their high speed fiber uh, bandwidth. And then we're wondering why they're going you know, as they're jerking across the screen because they can't, you know, and it sounds like the old style modem, you know, their voice drifts out and in. Uh, I mean, let go, let them do their job. If you need, this is how you can show that you trust them. Send them a laptop in the mail. Uh, tell them that you'll pay for their high-speed fiber and limited data. And by the get way, the kids can play monitor. with it. Yeah, and get a second monitor for them so they don't need to print everything in the, in the damn world. Yeah, I mean, these are, the, these are the skill sets that conditions for success, I think, now shift. Uh, and uh, they shift to a person's kitchen or wherever they want to be. And if they need a, mm -hmm. a, a, a slush fund to be able to build a room where they can actually be productive and give you back the value for their paycheck, it's a good investment. Yeah, that's, I, I really like this line of thinking around this productivity. I'm going back to the farm I worked on a farm in uh, Colorado for a while and, you know, it was, I, it was my first time, first experience. Uh, I really didn't have much experience with animals or, and we were on 150 acres of land. And um, it was, it was basically like, you know, here's your task, go do it. And there wasn't any, like, let me teach you how to do this. Here's the, you know, here's what you, here's some books to read. Or it was like, I need, we need this thing done, get it done. Right. 
and they gave you a lot of trust on the farm I yeah. worked on. And they had me do things that um, I probably never would have done, um, yeah. you know, and, and, and it was amazed myself that I was able to accomplish them, you know, and, and without any real understanding of it, but learn, but learning it on the job, right. Just cause you had to, you had to get things done. Um, and I think that's, but I think that's also, you know, challenging for a lot of leaders to allow people that type of trust. Right. But I think what you guys are saying, go ahead, go ahead, Kevin. No, you, we, you ask anybody, how do you learn? Yeah. And they say, well, you learn from experience and you learn from yep. your mistakes. Yes. As leaders, are you remembering that? Our job is to provide a safety net, yep. right? Like one of our clients for many years was Cirque du Soleil. And if you go to a Cirque show, and there are still some of them, thankfully, but you go to a circus, it doesn't matter. You go to a circus, and if you look carefully, there's a net. Why? OSHA says you got to have a net, right? <laughs> Safe, there's, there's a moral and ethical reason for the net. Mm-hmm. But that's not the only reason for the net. The other reason for the net is when people know if they fall, they won't die, they'll do better stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We get better results when people know they're not going to die. Now, I'm, that's a little bit, you know, that's a little bit of a strange way to think about it. Our job as a leader is to let people fail, just not let them have failures that are final, right? failures mm-hmm. that are career limiting, failures that get us in legal trouble, that kind of thing, right? There's, there's our job is to provide the net. Mm-hmm. But we got to let people fail. We got to let people try and fail, learn from their mistakes, and then succeed. Because that's how we all learn. Yeah. And I I think jumping back to Kevin's comment on trust, and I think Tyler, too, you talked about trust and leadership. Um, If they trust the environment they work in and the leader they work for, when they get to that point where they're before they fail, they know they're at, the, at that precipice, if you wish, you know, and they, they're debating whether to jump. If they trust the organization enough, they'll go ask. Yeah. Because they trust. won't, won't. Yeah, that's trust. Because they know they're not going to get fired or berated or made a fool of. Uh, somebody's going to give them an honest answer, show them a way to get through it. And uh, they learn, they move forward. And, but that, again, goes back to that balanced leadership, that ability to set those conditions that the people need to succeed. And they know that you will react fairly, timely, and consistently. Absolutely. They've seen you react with somebody else. When it happened to them, you were the same. I mean, that consistency of leadership style and, and uh, behaviors is really important for that trust level. Great. And that whole trust piece is a yeah. part of that net. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. Just, exactly. I'm just, I'm just taking yeah. your point, Ralph, and bringing it back to that metaphor, right? Yeah, yeah the net is a trust, yeah. Yeah. You trust yeah. that it'll be there and that it's actually strong enough to hold them. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's it. Well, um, I'd like to wrap up here um, and just have both of you share kind of your final thoughts from this uh, dialogue. Go ahead. I'll start with Ralph. Well, I mean, you, you, when you start this, you're thinking, oh, we're going to be talking about the future of leadership and, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, holograms appearing in your in your living room uh, to discuss them. You know, you you picture that sort of in your head as you're going down that path. But that's a technological thing. That, that's not a presence leadership thing. That's a presence technological thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we may have that I can turn this on and be in be in your living room as a hologram, and we can sit and have a chat. Uh, I don't know if anybody saw the Oprah Winfrey and uh, Barack Obama uh, interview. Uh, that they had provided him with identical chairs as a Wolfra and a mat and everything. And it was actually the overlay of the two places. They looked like they were sitting right next to each other by the fire. 
we may get there, but the principles that govern that exchange and that leadership and that trust and the confidence and the clarity of conversation will not change because we've now figured out a way to put people in the same room that they actually might actually believe that they're in the same room or notice no difference. And I think that's what I've gotten out of this conversation very much. Thanks, Ralph. And Kevin. Um, You know, so first of all, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure to be here. It's been super fun to have this conversation. I guess on my podcast, I always figure if my guests and I have fun, then probably the the folks yeah, will yeah. listen. And, and so I, I think we crossed that bar tonight. So, yeah. so, so thanks Tyler for having me and having yeah. us. Uh, I'll just say that remember the principles, right? Keep your eye to the future, both in terms of where you want to go and how the context will continue to change because mm-hmm. it will continue to change. And that's okay, right? Keep ourselves grounded on the principles and we'll have a much better chance of success. Yeah. Great. And, Final, uh, final question. This is going to be a difficult one for both of you. What's one word you want to leave future leaders you think will help them in some way? What's one word for them? Ralph? Uh, consistency for me. Kevin? Well, I'm, I'm focusing between two. So I'm going to, I'll state, I'll take the second one. Learning. Learning. Great. Well, thank you, Ralph and Kevin, for being on this episode. Really appreciate your time, your insights, and your wisdom. Thank you for joining us today on the Flowcast. To get a summary of today's dialogue, find out more about today's guests, listen to previous episodes, or discover more about Haku Global's neuroscience-based Futures Intelligent Leadership programs or customized strategic foresight and innovation sprints, visit us at www.haku.global. At Haku Global, we believe it is time for more futures intelligent leadership. The future is something we need to think more intelligently and feel more deeply about so we can collaborate to discover today's solutions for future problems. If you are in a leadership role and need support or training to scale futures intelligence across your organization, then contact us at Haku Global. This is your host, Tyler Mongan, and until next time, have a preferred and conscious future. Aloha.